Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 74, which begins with Jesse getting out of the van to run, and it ends with Max catching up to May. So we pick up today's minute. The van has broken down, and May and Jesse are sitting in the front seat, and May tells Jesse to get out and run. I am noticing that May is still calling the shots. Mm-hmm. And... While I appreciate her calling the shots, because her her point of view is a little bit different than Jesse's. Jesse's in a panic, and May isn't. Some of May's decisions have not served Jesse well. Some yeah. of them have, but that was just at the beginning when May showed up with the shotgun and got everybody into the shed. That's kind of where her good decisions ended. Everything since then has kind of not been great. Yeah, I definitely have some issues with the shots that may is calling in this scene and i feel like she has a multi-step plan in place i just don't think it's a great plan (laughs) and i i feel like i've been spending a lot of time lately you know sitting on the sidelines calling the shots when i'm not actually in the thick of it but (laughs) well that's easy to do yeah so let's see the first part of may's plan is that jesse gets out of the van and continues to put distance between her and the bikers yes not a bad idea i think it fails in execution yes which i suppose i guess we should blame on jesse yeah yeah there i'll i'll save jesse's part of this for later for sure and i can appreciate may taking charge of the situation because like you said she's got a different perspective on this she's a bit more level-headed and the fact that someone is stepping up yes is kind of nice whether decisions are good or bad debatable whatever somebody has to make decisions exactly and the danger is definitely following them we get a quick shot of them rolling through the smashed in gate and when i say they i mean the biker gang. But I thought to myself as I saw them riding over the broken gate that when I said yesterday that it would have been better for May and Jesse to stop, open up the gate, drive through, close the gate, and whatnot, that was kind of with the assumption that the van wouldn't break down. And the fact that the van did break down, probably because there was a piece of fence sticking out of the grill. (laughs) But... If the van breaks down, having the gate opened or closed doesn't really change anything. Right. It pretty much kills any strategy. Exactly. When when your whole plan is riding on a vehicle working the entire time that that plan is in effect, and then that vehicle fails, the rest of the plan just really crumbles. And I think partly why May's plan to just get away from the bikers falls apart so completely is because Mm -hmm. this key part of it is gone now. You know... When you mentioned that, the the plan of using the car as your getaway and then the car breaks down, it reminded me of the general movie trope of post-apocalyptic or zombie-type movies where our characters that we're following are out in the world and there's broken down cars all over the place. Mm-hmm. I think that's people do that a lot. When you're in some sort of emergency situation, one of your first instincts is to get in your car. But your car is incredibly fallible. I mean, even if it runs perfectly, at some point you're going to run out of gas. If nothing else, you're going to run out of gas. Runs on a finite 
yeah. amount of resource. Yeah. So the same thing would have happened to these two. if Even if the car had run perfectly, at some point they would have run out of gas. And would the bikies have lost interest by then? I don't know. They were they they remained interested in Jesse enough to follow her and track her down to the farm. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea how they did that. The last thing we hear before the farm, the last thing we hear from the bikies is that they learn that the couple maybe went north. That's right. it. So somehow they found the farm. So I think the car breaking down only sped up the inevitable. Oh, certainly, certainly. And I like that you brought up the whole trope of cars not working. Uh, At this point, I think it was about three weeks ago that I had my guest week on the Walking Dead minute. No, not the Walking Dead, the Living Dead minute. (laughs) Going over George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Anyway, that week that I was on, we spent a lot of time talking about the plan for uh, Ben and Tom and Judy to go out into the farmyard, get a pickup truck, drive it over to a gas pump, fill it up, and then go get help. And, you know, the plan goes awry. The character of Tom, who I did not mention this when I was on their podcast, but he kind of looks like a young Mel Gibson, kind of. Oh. He says that he knows how to pump gas. Like, that's a skill that he knows because they're kind of in think they're in like the Pennsylvania area so being the time period it is and the general area of the country not everyone knows how to pump gas on their own and so him being a former gas station attendant is an asset so he knows how to pump gas put it in the truck and just because of where fire is at that point because they're using a torch to ward off the zombies like the truck catches on fire and it's this whole big thing as you can probably imagine but it's another instance of them putting all of their eggs in this one four-wheeled basket and having everything go awry and it ends up like completely offing two of the characters and Mm -hmm. so you got this one guy who's got to kind of dance and pirouette his way back through a horde of zombies before he can get back to the safety of the house yeah thinking about it our society is so dependent upon vehicles Mm -hmm. that once the vehicle disappoints you in some way you just you die yeah i know this is continuing a tangent off film but i'm gonna try and stay within (laughs) the mad max series i love that even though so much of mad max is focused on the scarcity of fuel that there are still so many cars in the series and that despite it being the end of the world people are so devoted to their machines because there's that whole idea that if you stop moving you die Mm -hmm. type of thing and so their whole lives are built around these vehicles and starting in this movie and continuing on into the series yeah i mean when you have vehicles that necessarily aren't moving or aren't moving quickly bad things start to happen to them yes you know a truck that is trying to turn around gets smashed by a police vehicle a a van that is rolling out of Uh. a complex gets smashed by another one the the night rider is taken out by a car wreck that's just sitting in the road these people not necessarily the folks that hit them but the people that are not keeping on the move are pretty much in danger of being taken out by people that are on the move yes and i feel like that ties back directly to this minute where jesse has lost her vehicle She's now unprotected on the road running down this street. And 
pretty sure we got off on this tangent talking about the uh, the acolytes riding through the broken fence. But as we rejoin this minute, Jesse is running away from the van and May has gotten out of the van and she's got her shotgun with her. Yes. Now, Jesse is running straight down the middle of the road. Yeah. And which... I definitely want to talk about that a little bit later in the minute because okay. there are like five different shots okay. of Jesse running down the road. Like, it is abundantly clear. <laughs> with how many different angles we get of her running exactly where and how she is but i i stopped you there because i do want to talk about may okay specifically because she kind of drops out of this minute halfway through okay i want to make sure we get her out of the way what didn't we already do her imdb no i'm not talking about oh oh i'm talking about her role in this plan oh okay okay i gotcha so jesse's gone and May gets out of the van. And I feel like part one was Jesse continue putting distance. Part two is May is going to stand her ground and try and go all Gandalf. You shall not pass type of thing against these bikers. The trouble is... She has one shot. Yeah. She's a tough old lady, but she's not a wizard of Middle Earth. Like, she's got one shot to take out seven bikers. Yep. Is that how many you counted? I was able to see seven bikers. So, do you think... Because I think that they left Kundalini behind in the shed. Yes. I'm kind of thinking that shed is his ultimate fate. (laughs) You think he never leaves? I don't think he ever like gets to leave that shed either alive or a free man. I think following this incident with Jesse on the road, if they go back to the farmyard, which they probably do because that's where May and Benno live, they probably have the Dark One show up or Ziggy or whoever. Right, because people probably were just, called. Yeah, they probably just take Kundalini at that point, and the ambulance takes Jesse. We're going to see that tomorrow, of course. But getting back to May, yeah, she's got, she's got one shot. <laughs> <laughs> and I could either make an Eminem reference or a Hamilton reference, and I don't think I'm well-versed in either enough to adequately put, do the reference justice, so I'm just going to skip it. I think that's wise. But what I like about this portion of the minute is that We kind of see May getting ready, and then we see the gang kind of round the corner of the road. And I like that shot because it starts pretty far away, and you just kind of see them progress like a series of dark figures. Yes. And it's like six big dudes on motorcycles, and they're all coming towards May. It's it's a cool cool image. It is. This image of watching the biker group come around the corner and come closer reminds me of back with Goose on his last ride mm-hmm. when we were just watching that empty road for a good, I don't remember how many seconds, but way too many, waiting for him to come into view, round the corner, come into view, whiz past us. Mm-hmm. I think the the Goose shot could have been much cooler if it had resembled this shot with, yeah. with the group of bikes in May a little bit more. I think what I mean is tighter timing. Exactly. exactly. I was going to say exactly that. You don't get as much time in this shot where it's just empty road. Although, now that you say that, the circumstances of each one were very different. Goose was joyriding. Exactly. He had time. There was no imminent threat. In this scene with the bikies in May, there is an imminent threat. There is no time. Hmm. May has just enough time to walk around to the back of the car, get herself set up, shotguns up, and do another close her eyes and squeeze the trigger. Yeah. Did we settle, back when we were talking about Goose's joyride, that the long and drawn out minute of him riding was to lull everybody into a false sense of, oh, nothing bad is going to happen? Did we get to that? I don't 
recall. Yeah, that was a while ago. Like I said, we're on to a completely different incident on the road yeah. at this point. So I, as much as I like this scene for its pacing better, they are communicating two different things. Right, right. Because here it's a large group of antagonists and they are descending on our protagonists here. And there's not a lot they can do. I mean, like I said, May is a tough old lady. She puts up a valiant effort. I mean, she's got this gigantic gun, which is yes. pretty much as big as she is. Yes, it is. And she very much puts herself in harm's way. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I don't understand why they didn't go back for May. Mm. May threatened them. May shot at them twice. Yep. And stuffed them in a closet. Why didn't they punish her? Mm-hmm. as well i thought that was a little bit odd yeah that they go they go straight after jesse they don't care about may at all they go straight after jesse do what they do and they don't stop they just keep going i so i think that's a little surprising they don't go after may i think that at this point they don't care about may right they have put so much energy into this singular idea of jesse mm-hmm. and by extension sprog but i think their real target is jesse and at this point, I feel like the game is getting a little old for them. Right. They just want it to be done. Exactly. At this point, it's easier for them to just continue on down the road. Right. Than Move to on to stop. the next adventure. Exactly. Exactly. Because this has already taken up at least a couple of days of mm-hmm. their lives, which how often do they devote a couple of days to any one entertaining diversion? Yeah. I gotta say, I like these shots of the gang moving in unison because they are very faceless, very menacing, but they Mm -hmm. move so smoothly around obstacles. Yes. I mean, in the shot where May shoots at them for the second time, there's a bunch of smoke, but the gang kind of splits down the middle and they ride around the van. And it's so smooth the way they split and come back together into this big blob. Yep, they make it look like nothing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're able to move so smoothly makes it even more menacing. Yes. This whole idea that they are coming, moving around obstacles. It's kind of like, let's see, we were listening to There's No Such Thing as a Fish, where they were talking about slime, and they mentioned the old blob movies, where the blob is just this unrelenting, amorphous force that doesn't let anything get in its way. Mm, and I feel yes. like when the gang is moving as a unit, they can kind of take take on that aspect of menace. Absolutely. But oh. So after May shoots at the gang, they drive around her, like I said, and we get this shot of May peeking out from behind the van, and she's just looking down the road at the gang and then Jesse beyond, and she's got this look of despair on her face, knowing that she, what she tried to do was not enough. Yeah, she gave it everything she had, and she had to know in her head that it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. But she still did it anyway. She still did everything that she could do. Yeah. It was more important for her to try something Mm -hmm. than to do nothing. Yes. For sure. So at this point, like I said earlier, we get several different shots and angles of Jesse running down dead center. Yes. Now, I do appreciate how far that down the road Jesse made it on foot. Oh, for sure. She's quite far away from the car, especially considering what she's been through today. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot of running and covered a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. She has got to be so tired. Adrenaline will only take you so far. Yeah. Now, it's one thing to notice how far she got from the van. It's another thing to ask why mm-hmm. she decided to run on the road. This is definitely an instance where you can tell that Jesse went to the Prometheus school of running away from things. <laughs> 
the whole idea where if there's something big and dangerous behind you, you just keep running in a straight line, even though in the instance of the movie Prometheus, they were running from a ship and the ship was a giant donut shaped ship that was rolling towards them. And all they had to do was run to either side Mm -hmm. and it would have rolled right past them. And it's the same exact thing. Jesse is running straight down the middle of a smooth paved road. And it just so happens that smooth paved roads are the one surface where motorcycles can reach their top speed. Yes. Why didn't she run to either side? The The ground looks fairly uneven. Mm-hmm. And it's thickly grown over with grass. Yes. No matter what, she would have died. I have no doubt that that's how this movie was going to end. With a dead Jesse. But... She made it as easy for them as she could have. Mm-hmm. If she had run to the side, it would have slowed them down. She could have potentially found a place to hide. And like we mentioned a few minutes ago, they've been doing this chase for a couple of days. Maybe they would have gotten tired mm-hmm. and just, oh, we can't find her. So we're just going to keep going. Maybe. I don't think so, but it's possible. Hmm. What well, I would have wanted to see happen, either she breaks left And goes towards, there are some buildings that we can see in the distance, goes towards those buildings and tries to fortify there. Or she breaks right because there's like a little hill around that corner. And if she kind of doubles back around that hill, maybe she runs into Max. Very true. But then again, that would be her assuming that Max is coming. Because they still don't know. They still don't know that he heard the shotgun shot. Yeah, they haven't seen each other in quite some time. Mm -hmm. The, The last Jesse knew... Max was running off into the woods to, you know, hunt men. Right. The most dangerous game. But there are so many better options. Yes. Of decisions that she could have made. With with a little creativity. Mm -hmm. She could have put up a better fight. Yeah. Because I feel like if she had broken left or right and gone off the road, maybe the bikers would not have seen her running down the middle of the road and they would have focused on the van. Right. Which would have ended up worse for May. Um, but it would have saved Jesse and Sprague unless they were noticed on off the side of the road. But Do you think that the bikers, as they came up to the car, do you think they could already see Jesse? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so you think they already knew that Jesse had run off? Yeah. What if Jesse had not run off with Sprague? What if she had left Sprague in the van and run off by herself? Hmm. They would have gone after Jesse, run her down, moved on, and Sprague would have been saved. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree that that's what would have happened. I think you'd be hard-pressed to figure out a way to save Jesse's life, even with all of this open space that she could have utilized. But I think it would have been relatively easy to save Sprague's life. Mm-hmm. And I think while it would have been safer for Sprague in the van, I don't think Jesse would have left him behind. No, no, I don't think so either. Even if it meant... Him being safer just because she just got him it's, back from that. Right, it's instinct. So why would she leave him behind again? To, right, the, the, the safest place for your baby is in your own arms. You know, it's it's instinct. Keep him close. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't end up being true, but no. when, you're, when you're in a fight or flight scenario, right. she's in her, full flight mode. Yes, her state of mind is not... Is, is not clear, which is why she runs down the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Is that she doesn't have a clear head. Yeah. Right now. All she knows she is that she needs path. to run. Yes. She sees a clear path away from the bikies and she takes it. Mm-hmm. And then as we see her running and we see the bikers coming up behind, we get yep, it gets a few very quick ominous. shots. 
we get a hand cranking down on a throttle, we see a rev counter, we see a quick zoom on the front of a bike, Jesse spins, falls, and then as the bikers ride off into the distance, a little ball and a baby shoe fall onto the pavement. Yeah. There's a lot of people that talk about the intense violence in this movie, and we mentioned this several times before, but a lot of the violence in this movie is merely implied. Yes, because we know what just happened. Yeah. We see absolutely none of it. Mm-hmm. I think the most we see is, yes, Jesse falls, and then in the shot where the bikers are riding away, Toe Cutter's bike seems to, like, start off the ground as if he was running over something. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, that tiny little detail of her falling and him being off the ground. We know exactly... Yes. ...who and how. Right. <laughs> as, as far as and what has happened here. You know, I'm thinking about... So, in the next minute, we learn that, that Sprague died... If not immediately, he died very quickly. Mm-hmm. Jesse makes it alive to the hospital, and they list off what is wrong with her, and which is quite a lot. It's Mostly a lot. like internal injuries. She mm-hmm. loses an arm, but we'll get it. We'll get into all that stuff next minute. There's plenty of that tomorrow. What I'm wondering about for right now is with the amount of damage done between Sprague and Jesse. Do you think? Toe Cutter was the only one that ran them over? Oh, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. You think one bike on one pass could do that much damage? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because it's only two points. You only get two chances to hit stuff. Yeah. Front tire, back tire. But he's also moving at high speeds. Yes. She's falling against pavement. And so all of that kinetic energy of the motorcycle is bearing full force into her. Yes. And which then... Sprague is on top of her because she falls, she spins, falls down on her back. Yeah. So Sprague is on top. Yeah. So all of the kinetic force of that front tire is hitting her, rolling over her. And then as that back tire, she gets another hit of kinetic force. And then as both tires are running over her, she's getting all of the weight as well. Okay. There's a lot of trauma that can happen very quickly when someone is run over. Okay. When you put it like that, I buy that she was only hit by one motorcycle. Yeah. Plus... All of the other motorcycles were kind of riding around Toe Cutter. Yes. Giving him a clear path. Yeah. Because he's in charge. He has a plan. He knows what he's going to do and he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And we get a fairly long lingering shot. On the shoe. On the, the ball shoe is and actively ball. rolling away. And the bike he's running away. Yep. And in the background, before the music swells up, we hear crows again. Yes, we do. Which are that audio signal that this is, you know, biker scavenger related yes activity and it's interesting that it comes after the fact mm-hmm. trying to think back to the times that we've heard it so pronounced before my memory says that in the past it's been more during the encounter or before the encounter like uh we heard crows on the beach before the dog ran away got himself killed Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it does seem, puts a different spin on the, the crow sound effect that it happened after the fact. I say, when Max and Goose found Johnny after the Chevy was destroyed, I think that's another instance of the, the crow sound effect coming after, after the, fact. the fact. But I think it's just that little punctuation mark mm-hmm. on the situation yes. that they did throw the crow sound effect in there. And... I think the lingering shot, taking the sound effect and the music out of it, is incredibly powerful because, A, they don't show us any actual on-screen violence. It's all implied. But it just gives us an example of lives being destroyed, and then the people that destroy those lives are just riding away. 
It's nothing to them. Exactly. They are so removed from it that they can just do these things and continue on. Yes. And we're left in the aftermath. Yes. They put a great deal of effort into the fun part, into the teasing and the terrorizing. They put a great deal of effort into terrorizing Jesse. But when it came to actually doing the dirty work, it was nothing. They're like, we're done playing. Mm -hmm. And then it's done. We're done. We're gone. And then we as the viewers are left with the aftermath. Yes. I like how this movie specifically does that. How they will show situations where people are left with the aftermath. Where the officers are standing in the hallway of the hospital. Where the cleanup crews are cleaning up the nighttime wreck. Where, as we see now, Max and Benno catch up to the situation. And we see Max... And it starts today, it ends tomorrow of him running down the road to ultimately reach their bodies. It's a lot of focus on, yes, these things may look awesome on film and whatnot, but when you put an emotional context to it and personalize it, it's incredibly affecting. Yes, it is. And it it means a great deal to us because we've made the journey of this entire movie and we've grown attachments and we know their relationships Mm -hmm. and it means a great deal to us. And we can, that gives us a little bit of empathy with Max. Right. Gives us that ability. And I definitely feel better connected to Jesse than I do to Sprague. Yeah. It's important to note that, as I said earlier, Jesse survives until I think a day or two from now. Uh, But Sprague is dead on the spot. And like I said, I don't feel necessarily connected to him as a character because he is a toddler and he's barely in this movie. But losing Sprague means a lot to Max because Sprague was his son. Yes. And he'll never have the experiences with Sprague that he had with his father. Right. And yes, we have to make assumptions about that because we don't see them interact very much. And also Sprague is really quite young, Mm -hmm. too young to be forming a personality-based bond with his father. Right. But most people know what a father-son relationship is like or what it may look like or they've experienced it themselves. So we can put ourselves in that place anyways, even though we don't get a lot of that information over the movie. Right. Right. You can imagine that Max probably, and this is kind of a Simpsons reference, has a little picture of Sprague and the the words, do it for him. Yes. You know, taking care of Jesse, taking care of Sprague are the two driving forces in his life because he is such a family man. Yes. And the fact that he loses his child and he is losing his wife, like, it's going to turn him into the man that we see it... (laughs) very shortly come out and for the rest of the series he is yes like this one moment this one attack from the motorcycle gang and this one major loss i'm kind of clumping both of them together into one large loss because it was one instance but yes this is forever setting up the rest of the series yes and that that's why this movie is so important exactly this is why we wanted to talk about this one before we jump into road warrior and beyond thunderdome which are like arguably the more fun movies yes but i think we'll be able to get so much more out of those movies because we did mad max proper absolutely absolutely that we took this journey with max and we get to see so much of his personality and his motivations and we've We've really learned so much about Max. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we hope you have too. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to catch up with Max sprinting down the road tomorrow. In the meantime, you can visit our website, which is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute. Like us on Facebook. 
and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 74. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and leather men Take me to the end of the dream Hold on tight, no it's your feeling